You know, you, you, you guys are the special people, so not somebody and say, neighbor. Yeah, you you got you to work with me. If you don't work with me, I'll preach for three hours. I'm Indian. We, we are meant to talk. All right? You got to know that, man. I'm, I'm born like that. I can talk for three hours straight. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Come on. Say, neighbor. Yeah, no, no, let's, let's do this the Swedish way, uh, the Swiss way, okay? Please stand up right now. I'm not asking you for a clap. I'm not going to ask you for money unless you don't stand up. I'm going to ask you for money right now. At a count of three, ready? Are you ready to accept Jesus Christ? At a count of three, don't sit down. If you don't sit down, you're going to accept Jesus Christ. See, I agree. have great salvation. Okay, I want you to look at your neighbor, eyeball to eyeball. I want you to look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor face to face. Okay, just look at your neighbor. Trust me, I'm not going to play a trick on you. I'm a pastor. We don't lie. Okay? So look at your neighbor and say, eyeball to eyeball. Look at your eye, look at that neighbor right now, okay? Into the eyeball. Okay, bring your face closer like your nose is going to touch their nose. Okay? And if you are married to the person that you're looking at, give them a kiss right now. All right, see, there's one married couple. I'm, I'm, I'm healing marriages right now. I've got the whole service saved. I've got healing marriages. And if you're single right now and you're looking at the, the person of the opposite sex and they are single and you want to have, you want to get married, I want you to give that person a kiss because we're going to seal it with a kiss right now. See, I'm, I'm, okay, please be seated right now. All right, turn to your neighbor. Can I ask you something? Can I ask you something? You know, can I be me? Yeah, okay. I, if I'm me, you enjoy the service. If I try to be Pastor Leo, you will not enjoy the service. All right, so let me be me, okay? So I want to, first of all, I want to thank Pastor Leo for having me here because it takes great faith, you know, um, to have me on church because I have a tendency to mess church up after I leave. So then I realized, I looked at the calendar of the church, is after I leave, Pastor Leo is preaching a divine series. And I'm like, wow, so I can mess up the church, he can come up and clean up. So it's all good. So not your neighbor and say, neighbor, get ready right now. You got to be, you got to be enthusiastic. This, they told me this was the best church in the whole of Zurich. And they say this service is the most awesomest, mind-blowing service in the world. So you got to get ready. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, get ready right now. Now, I realize I've been in ministry for about 23 years, and in the last 23 years, I've been asking this one question constantly. I've been asking this question over and over again, especially when I'm bored, or especially when I'm frustrated, especially when things don't go the way I have planned, or I don't get the results that I want. Or when times when, when, when I read the Bible and the God of the Bible is not the God that I see today or not experiencing God the way I want, I ask this question, God, is there more than this? Is there more than this? When I look at the life of someone, I see the potential inside of them and they're not stepping up. I ask the question, God, is there more than this to their life? And I've realized in the last 23 years of serving God, in the last 11 years of planting a church in Penang, I realized God is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He has the source of every good thing in life and there is no lack in God and God is limitless in every supply that you need for your life. There is always more in God. And I realize I want to preach this message to you because I'm, I feel like this is the message for this season as we end this summer season. I want to talk about a guy in the Bible that 
When he first started off, he was not the smartest of the group. He was not the most talented of the group. In fact, he was not the shining star of all the disciples of Jesus Christ. In fact, this guy put his big foot in his big mouth all the time. Am I talking too fast? If I am, you got to hear faster. All right? So you got to pick up speed because I'm, gonna, I'm like a bullet train when I'm on the road. And, I, and if, you, if, you, if you feel like I'm too fast, raise your hand. I'll go faster. So, I mean, this guy was the guy that you wouldn't put your money on to be the best, but yet, after the encounter with Jesus, his life tribes changed so much that on his first sermon that he preached, he got 3,000 people saved. His name is Peter. His name is Peter. Not your neighbor and say, neighbor, Peter! Peter. Shout into your neighbor's face, Peter! So the Bible says in Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, if you have a Bible, you turn with me. If you have an iPhone and, and you, you have, there's a Bible in the iPhone, just... Click on the app and turn to the passage. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And if you don't have a Bible, you don't have a phone, you don't have anything, just look at your palm. It's like a Bible. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says, on, the, on one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and the people were crowding him, listening to the word, he saw at the water's edge two boats left by the fishermen who were washing their nets or mending their nets of the day. So the Bible tells us there were two fishermen, there was a group of fishermen, they were by the lake of Gennesaret and they were finished fishing, the whole night they've been fishing, they finished fishing and they were by the lake, mending their net. They were tired. They've been fishing all night and they've caught nothing and they've just beached their boat and they were mending their nets, preparing their nets, which was a tedious task because you got to clear out everything. They were doing all that, getting ready for the boat for tomorrow's fishing. The net for tomorrow's fishing. And just then, and there was as they were getting ready, there was a commotion that was happening not far away. And Peter turns around and look, at that point in time, he sees somebody called Jesus. And Jesus is walking towards those boats that are in front of him. And Jesus goes, Jesus is on a mission to change life, to give them a vision. Jesus is evolving because Peter is about to evolve. And he goes, eyes, eyes, Jesus. Eyes, eyes, Jesus. Eyes, eyes, Jesus. And Jesus was walking around and the crowds were hanging on Jesus, being Jesus. And I think Jesus was like Leo Bigger or better than Leo Bigger. He was walking and he's like. And he walks up and he realized this crowd is hungry for the word of God. He looks at Peter and he turns at Peter and says, Peter, I need your boat. I need your boat. I need your boat. And Peter, at that point in time, and most of us will think, this guy is pretty presumptuous. You know, I know he's Jesus, but who does he think is he going up to somebody and says, I need your boat? But I want you to understand, Peter already met Jesus a couple of days ago because his brother, Andrew, introduced him. So Peter knew Jesus. He liked this Jesus. And he looks at Jesus and says, sure, dude, you want my boat? You can have my boat. Take the boat. Ooh. And I think Peter just liked this Jesus because this Jesus was different. Jesus was cool. Jesus was somebody that caused him to slip away from his daily grind. In fact, I feel like Jesus was to him a, just a pleasant diversion from his struggling life, from his difficult life. Actually, he felt very good about listening to Jesus. So he tells Jesus, Jesus, get on my boat. No problem. Chill, bro. He gets on his boat, he pushed Jesus out of the boat, and Jesus begins to preach. 
As Jesus was beginning to preach, the crowd were listening. I mean, Jesus was cool like the Indian guy on stage. He was so cool. He was so handsome. He was just like that. He was preaching at the end of the sermon. Jesus ends the sermon and says, amen. And everybody in the crowd says, yeah, it's time to go. It's dinner time. We're going to go off. Listen, at that point in time, Jesus was not ready to call it a day. The people were ready to call it a day, but Jesus was not ready to call it a day because Jesus is about to do something. Jesus has finished preaching, but he's not done doing. See, I want you to understand every single Sunday you come to church and you experience the power of God, you experience the presence of God, you hear a sermon and a sermon, and let me tell you, when the sermon ends is when Jesus begins. When the sermon ends, that's when Jesus begins. And the Bible says Peter pulls the boat in and then Jesus gets out of the boat and he looks at Simon Peter and says, Simon Peter, this is what I want you to do. Simon Peter, launch into the deep and let down your nets. Launch into the deep and let down your nets. Now you gotta understand at that point in time, Simon Peter or Peter knew who Jesus was. He knew Jesus was a great teacher. He knew Jesus was a carpenter. He knew all about Jesus, or as much as he, Jesus revealed to him. So Peter knows, listen, I've been fishing a long time, and I know this is not the right time to go fishing. Yeah? This is not the right time to go fishing because the fish are not going to be the shallow. The fish are going to be the deep. And if I go fishing, I'm going to go to the deep. And if I go to the deep, I have a there may be a possibility I will lose my nets. And as he was hearing all these things, negative voices began to spurn out in his head. Negative voices begin to rise up within him. See, until this point in time, Peter was just happy being a member at Sunday service. Until that point in time, Peter was happy being a church filler. Until that point in time, Peter came to church, raised his hand and said, let it go, let it go, da -da 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 -da, let it go. We sing that song in church. You don't sing that song in church? Let go of your sins. Let go of your past. You don't sing that song? Man, I got to sell that song to you. Let it go. I mean, he came to church, he listened, and he goes home. Until that point in time, Jesus was nothing more than a pleasant diversion. And I want to tell you, until that point in time, Peter's life was focused on one thing that was fishing in him. And there are many of us in this room, Every Sunday, you go through a pleasant diversion. You come to church, you experience some fellowship, you experience some warmth, you experience some relationship, you experience something of God. You raise your hand, you sing, you worship God, you go home because this is nothing more than a pleasant diversion because this Sunday, I get to live out a life that I think God wants me to have because after this Sunday on Monday, I go back to my daily grind. But let me tell you, I want to tell you something, my friends. All this while, your focus may be on you and your career and your family, but today God is here to tell you He is about to bring a divine shift in your life. He's about to bring a change in your situation. He's about to do something, and He's going to give you a new vision, a new revelation, a new dream, something new that's going to cause you to rise up to the next level. This Sunday is different from any other Sunday because God is about to do something great in your life. And while God is about to do something great in his life. There was something happening inside of him. There was negative voices, voices that were causing him to doubt, were getting his attention, causing him to, un to, to, to not believe in God. 
And the Bible says in verse 5, and Peter answered, Master, we have toiled all night and we have caught nothing. Easy, when Peter said that, his mind and his mouth were connected. How many of you know when, like, you know, have you passed? You know, Pastor, you know, we are Christians, right? Hello. Okay. To the Christians in this room that said, yeah, I'm talking to you. For those of you who are not Christian, I'm not talking to you. So it's like this. You know, when your pastor asks you to do something and you, you, you're struggling and then you, you blurt out the right answer, the wrong answer, it's like, will you serve God? No. That's what happened to Peter. Peter just spoke his mind. But I want you to understand, at that point in time, Peter spoke his mind, but in that one moment, that split second, there was a million thoughts that were going off inside of him. In that split second, something happened. He began to question himself. And one of the reasons why people never get out of the rut of their life, one of the reasons why people never have experienced, don't experience success, one of the reasons people don't experience breakthrough in their life, one of the reasons people don't have miracles and blessings upon their life, it's not one of the reasons people don't have the presence and power of God. It's not because of a lack of opportunity. It's not because you are not good enough. It's not because God is too far away. It's because we don't believe what the Bible says about God. See, all of us in this room hear voices. What's your voice? Because most of us are not experiencing God in our life, because, not because God is too far away, not because the worship sucks, not because of the preacher. It's because you have an inner voice that's controlling you from experiencing God's power and presence for your life. That's an inner voice. And Peter's mind at that point in time was releasing all those voices. And I think there are about five voices that Peter was hearing. Number one, the voice of criticism. The voice of criticism, my voice of criticism getting, is getting more and more beautiful Be every service. It's kind of hard to focus right now. Criticism, criticism. Don't look at her, just look at the words. Cover your face. <laughs> Chill. Criticism is a disapproval expressed by pointing out outfalls and shortcomings. Pointing out outfalls and shortcomings. Criticism is you looking down upon yourself. Criticism comes to you. Peter, yeah, there are lots of fishes in the lake. I mean, they're everywhere, but how do you know where to find them? You don't have a GPS. You don't know where the fish are hiding. You know what? You have some good some days, some days, some most of the days they are bad. You know what, Peter? You are a born loser. You're never going to make it in life. The voice of criticism is a voice that is inside of us that's generated by our past and our experience and our failures. And he speaks to us, especially when you want to do something great in your life. Your voice of criticism may tell you, you know what, you, you don't even have to try because I know you're going to fail. Look at the times you have failed. You know what, your mother said, I didn't want you, but she had you. She had no choice. The voice of criticism tells you, you are a born loser. You're never going to make it in life. You are a failure. The voice of criticism knocks you down. And as you listen to the voice of criticism long enough, you have another voice that will come out through your head, which is the voice of comparison. See, the voice of comparison, come on, boys. Oh, see, they, they are, they, you know, they get all the beautiful girls to come out so that our church will grow. <laughs> see, when you hear criticism long enough, comparison comes in. Criticism is inside of you, compares you and tells you how bad you are in the past. Comparison compares you with somebody else. Peter, your boat is not good as their boat. You know, their nets are much better. They have more staff. They have more. And Peter, you don't have anything. You're going to fail. Look at yourself. 
The voice of comparison always compares you to somebody else. It compares you. You're not as smart as your brother or your sister. You're not as a great preacher as that guy. You know what? You're not going to make it because you don't have this kind of parents. Your marriage is not going to get better because you're, you're look at their wife, look at their children, look at it. It compares. It compares. And I want to tell you something, man. The voice of comparison is not a voice that propels you forward. The voice of comparison wants you to stagnate. It wants you to give up and stay there. What was Peter doing at that point in time? He was mending his nets. Stay there, Peter. You don't have to do what Jesus tells you to do. It's okay. But as you listen to the voice of criticism, arrive comparison long enough, the third voice kicks in, which is the voice of doubt. The voice of doubt. Is this a modeling competition or what? <laughs> you guys are so mm, beautiful, beautiful, handsome. You make me look bad, man. <laughs> okay, I want you to cover your face. <laughs> all right, all right, no joke, man, just cool. You're handsome. That's, I'm jealous. It's cool, okay? It's, I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. See, doubt comes along and he begins to say, you know what, Peter... This Jesus, he's a great guy, he's a cool guy, he's a great teacher, but what makes you think he knows about fish? He's a carpenter. I mean, he doesn't know anything about fishing, so don't even try, Peter. Don't even try. Don't even do anything. See, when you listen to criticism long enough, which pulls you down, and if you listen to comparison long enough, which, which tells you that you're not good as anybody, you begin to doubt. You begin to doubt everything that God says about you. You begin to question, I mean, does the church really care about me? Do the pastors really care about me? I mean, I, I'm, am I just another number in church? I mean, does God really cares about me? Ooh, I mean, I know the Bible says that God cares about me, but right now in my situation and what I'm going through, I don't feel like God cares. Is there any proof now? Come on, man, you're smarter than this. Okay, just go back. Five o'clock is a good time to have siesta. It's time to sleep. I mean, it's a nice time to have fondue. <laughs> a new word that I learned in Switzerland, fondue. And when you listen to doubt long enough, selfishness sets in. When you listen to criticism, which tears you down, and comparison when he tells you before others are better than you, you begin to doubt yourself. And number four, where is number four? Where is my fourth person? Oh, man. Hey, there's something wrong with your church, man. There are too many good-looking people in church. <laughs> Selfishness comes in. Selfishness comes in. And selfishness tells you, you know what, Peter, you're tired. You've been catching fish whole day. You know what? You, 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 need, you need time to rest. You need to go back and spend time with your family. Who does this just Jesus thing? The nerve of this guy to come up to you and tell you to go out fishing even though you have caught all, you have went out all night and caught nothing and you're sitting here mending your nest. You want to go back and rest and spend time with your family and you, and this guy is so inconsiderate. Who does this Jesus thing? He is... Let me tell you something. Every time God is trying to do something in this church or every time something God is trying to do something in your life, I promise you, selfishness always rears its ugly head. You know what? You don't have to do anything anymore. Let somebody else do it. I mean, 
Why should you do all these things? Don't they have staff? They pay the staff to do all these things. Why should you serve? You know, why should you bring new friends to church? Why should you talk about the gospel of Jesus? Why should you give to the church? I mean, forget about all this vision. Forget about all these people. Forget about the new building. Forget about it. All these people that are sitting in church every week, I mean, you're better than them. They're saps. Right? They're good for nothing. At the end of the day, the most important person is the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. Right? The whole world should be about me, 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 me. When you listen to criticism, long enough. When you listen to comparison, long enough. You begin to doubt. And when you begin to doubt, you start to focus on yourself. And when you start to focus on yourself, number five happens. Constraint kicks in. Constraint. See, I give up. <laughs> See, constraint is the voice that tells you that you not only cannot, it limits you what you can. Constraint tells Peter, Peter, you're a great guy. You work hard. You, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go the extra mile. You don't have to go out and do all these things. You know what? Some of us in life are meant to live the below average life. Some are meant to go to heaven. Some are meant to go to hell. When Jesus said you're going to have abundant life, it was not for you. It was for somebody else in another role. Wow. Constraint. And the thing about constraint is this, it restricts your life, it caps up your potential, it kills your dream, it tells you it's impossible, nothing can change. This is your lot in life, just accept it. If you're going to earn this amount, this is your lot in life, you're going to earn this amount for the rest of your life. So forget about these dreams, forget about the impossible, forget about a God who can do more than enough. Constraint limits you. See, the thing about constraint is this, it's like running a 100 meter race with Usain Bolt. Oh, okay, don't need to go so far. It's like running a race with me. And you're the fastest person in this church. And constraint does this. Constraint wraps a rope around you and ties you up so that you cannot run faster than you are meant to run. So you start the race and everybody's running fast. And you are doing this. Constraint. See, I want to tell you about these five voices. These five voices are not just natural voices. These five voices are the voices of fear. Because fear loves to limit you. Fear loves to keep you where you are. Fear wants you to do what you have always done and never do anything else. Fear wants to shackle your potential by your past failures. And fear always wants to limit you. As Peter said, we have talked all night and caught nothing. It was the voice of his fear, of his past failures that was speaking out through these five things and Peter was expressing it. Peter was expressing it. How many of us have all these five voices or some of these five voices in our life? And have you noticed the more you listen to those voices, the more you allow these voices to take control of your life, something begins to happen of you. You begin to get more and more restricted. What started out as a great guy becomes a weak guy. What started out, something with a lot of potential, now becomes nothing more than wishful thinking. 
And as Peter was entertaining all this thought, the voice of criticism, the voice of comparison, the voice of doubt, the voice of selfishness, the voice of constraint, he was entertaining all these voices that were causing him to doubt, to live in fear, and all of a sudden something begins to snap in his head out, and a voice begins to cry out, the voice of confidence, the voice of courage, the voice of hope. It was the voice of faith. It was the voice of Jesus where Jesus said, Peter! 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 The voice of faith. See, all these voices are fearless, fearful. But this voice is faith, fearless. This is the voice of faith. Faith has no limitation. Faith has only hope. Faith shows the way where there is no way. Faith shows the solution. Faith shows the potential. Faith says there is nothing impossible in God. Just believe. Just believe. And as you are saying, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing but I love buts in the Bible. When they come out and say, but at your word, I will let down your nets. At your word, I will let down my nets. At your word, I will let down my net. So I think Peter gets on his boat. And he puts the net in the boat. He gets on the boat. Now, I want you to understand this. This is the fourth time I'm stepping on this boat. Come on, voices. Come to me, all you heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come on. Come here, decide. Okay, you are the voice of faith. So Peter gets on his boat, and he's about to launch into the deep. Now, I want you to understand the Lake Gennesareth. The Lake Gennesareth, the Lake Gennesareth is 15 miles long and eight miles wide, okay? And it's also known as the Sea of Galilee. So it's eight, eight miles wide, 15 miles long, and the deepest part of the lake is 150 feet, okay? So now, just, just simple maths, right? Eight miles wide, and he wants to go to the deepest end of the lake, that is four miles, right? The deepest is right, always in the center, right? How many of you know the deep is never the shallow, it's always in the deep? Some of you are like, oh, really? Yeah, it's, so it is in the deep, right? It's the deepest part of the lake, four miles deep. Now I want you to understand this. Peter gone his bone. Now I want you to Google this. I want you to check this historically because it is proven to be true. At the time when Peter got into the boat, there was no motorboat. Okay, there was no engine to go. Peter couldn't go, zoom, zoom, zoom. We have four miles. <laughs> He didn't reach that like in two seconds. You see, Peter's time, it was rather wind power. Okay? That means there was a wind. He put up the sail, and the wind carries him four miles. Or it is arm power. You got to row the boat. And I think Peter didn't have wind. He got to row the boat for four miles. So he got on his boat. For four miles, he began to sing a worship song. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. And as he was rowing, all these voices began to speak to him. Peter, you're stupid. You should not have left the shore. You should not have listened to the Jesus. You should have gone home. You should have told him, shut up. You're going home. You should have done all this. And the voice of faith is whispering, just believe. Just believe. Just believe. Now, if we were to travel 10 minutes a mile, four miles were taking 40 minutes. Okay, that's quite fast, okay? 
One person rowing a boat, big boat. 10 minutes a mile. It would take him 40 minutes. Can you imagine he was contending with this voice for 40 minutes? 40 minutes to pair with the boat. The bo- these four boys, five voices were saying, no, 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 no. You cannot do it. This cannot be done. Nobody has done it before. It's impossible. You know what? You're going to make a fool of yourself. It's going to make you stupid. You're going to be stupid. And everybody thinks you're stupid. Everybody already knows you're stupid, but you're going to be bigger stupid than the stupidest, stupidest, stupidest. And everybody's saying this, and he's, he's listening to all these voices. And they point out, at the same time, he's listening to the voices. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. 40 minutes of contention, he reaches the middle of the lake. He looks back and he realizes he has come very far. He can only see people like they were ants. He's in the middle of the voice. Peter, you have a chance. Just roll to the other side so that nobody can see you. You can go off and you disappear for two months and you can tell them the aliens took you. Peter, you can do something with your life that's more. I mean, just, just don't do this, Peter. Don't make a fool of yourself. And the voice of faith says, believe. 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 No, Peter, just go back. Just tell them you tried. You know, just put the water and the net in the water and just take it up so the people know it's wet. The people know that you tried and he failed. Make this Jesus look foolish. Just go back. Just go back. And Peter just thinks to himself, for that very moment, he says, you know what? Since I am here, since I am in the middle of the lake, I might as well try out one time. Maybe, who knows? So he takes out the net, and he begins to get the net, and he begins to cast the net into the middle of the lake. And all of a sudden, the moment he casts the net, all the voices go, no! And he looks for the voice of faith. The voice of faith is not making a sound. The voice of faith has disappeared. Something has happened. Let me tell you, when you're about to do something great for God and all the haters and naysayers and all the voices of fear may come to you and say no, and when you can't hear the voice of God, I want to tell you, just because God is silent, it doesn't mean God is inactive. Just because God is not doing what you want him to do at that point in time doesn't mean God is not working behind the scene because the moment Peter cast the net into the middle, of the lake, the voice of faith didn't stay there to say, believe, believe, believe. The voice of faith got into the deep to get the fish into the net. The voice of faith got into the deep and he chased the whole the fish into the net and the voices here say, no, 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 because you can't see what's happening in the deep until you pull out the net that you have dropped by faith. God is already doing something and Peter picks up the net and he begins to pull. I mean, it's like, you know, you're pulling first, there's nothing. <laughs> and he begins to pull. The net is heavy. As he pulls the net, he realizes the net is full of fish. The Bible tells us there was a miracle catch. He never had such a catch for the rest of his life. A miracle catch. He launched into the deep and he let down his nets. And God came true for him. I want to say this, 20 years ago, a guy by the name of Leah Bigger heard a voice from God to launch into the deep of Zurich to let down his nets. 20 years later, this church is founded. This church is growing. 20 years later, and I want to tell you many, many times over the last 20 years, God has told him, let down your nets, launch into the deep and let down your nets. And because he has done that after 20 years, you have a movement with 50 over churches all over Europe. And I want to tell you this. Thank you, guys. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to tell you this. This is just the beginning of the miracle. This is the beginning of something great in your church. You see, when I look at your church, I don't see the end. I don't see a new, I just don't see another building. I see a new beginning. God is telling us it's time to launch the deep and let down your nets. It's time to do something that is so radical, so transformational. Nobody has done it before. We're going to do it in our lifetime, and we're going to see the greatest harvest, the greatest catch that the world has seen. I think it's time for the world to come to Europe not to visit the church as a tourist attraction, but come to church to experience the power and the presence of God. This is your season. This is your moment. Your new building is you saying, God, 20 years ago, you got a man to launch into the deep in Zurich and cast down a net for the greatest catch of our lifetime. This year, we're going to go into the deep. We're going to let down our nets. And this year, this season, we're going to get the greatest catch because we believe. I want to tell you something. God requires something of you when he asks you to do something. And this is what is required of you. Just believe. Just obey. Just do. And I promise you, five years from now, one year from now, ten years from now, this will not be the smallest service in ICF Zurich. This will be one of the biggest services. And he's going to step up. Because there's going to be voices that are going to contend for your attention. There are going to be voices that want to constrain you, that limit you. They want to tell you, you know what, forget about the church. Forget about all this thing. It's, it's you, you know. I mean, church is good as long as it's a pleasant diversion. But anything more than that is too much. You begin to doubt your own self. Even though God has done so much in your life, God has saved you and brought you to spot, you begin to doubt God can do more than this. And all of us settle for the little. For all of us set for nothing. And all of us settle for far less that God than God has inside of him. Today I want to tell you, there is more than this. There is more than this. The question is this, are you going to be that Peter? Are you going to be the person that launched into the deep? Are you going to be the person that says, I'm going to let down my nets? Are you going to be the person that says, you know what, church is now from today onwards, it's going to be more than a pleasant diversion. Church is going to be an experience of miracles, of breakthroughs, of power and presence, of favor and goodness. I'm going to experience God every single day. This is your season. This is your moment. ICF Zurich, rise up. Take your nets, launch into the deep, and drop your nets. Because God is about to do a miracle in your life. Can we all stand up on our feet right now? Just want to do a quick prayer. And then you take over, man. You, you look like Jesus. I, okay. 
okay, it's okay, chill, it's good. Let's raise our hands to God. Father, I come today to believe you for a great miracle for not only my life, but these people here, they came because they believe there is more to this life than whatever they experience because in you there's so much more and today I speak right now a blessing, favor, goodness, healing, resurrection over dead things and I speak you into their life as they launch into the deep, let down their nets, let there be a great harvest, let there be a great catch. I give you glory and honor and worship in Jesus' name and everybody say, Amen.